Welcome to episode 544 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, we are coming in on the holidays fast. There's still news, which is frankly surprising. A little amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just over the hump, we have CES coming up. Yeah, but a, but a weird version, a weird virtual CES. I don't even know what yeah. it's going to look like yet. And we don't even know how we're going to cover it, quite frankly. So <laughs> right. <laughs> this could be the but, best or the worst CES ever. <laughs> I was yeah. talking to Jen about it last night and she said, hey, on the bright side, at least you know you won't get moth eye at this CES. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, you know, a little bit of inside baseball, you and I talked about maybe trying to get together. Unfortunately, I am going to be away during the time that CES is on, but it's even further away from you than I already am. <laughs> so it's not likely that we'll be together when we do this, but we will try to do our best to cover. And in the meantime, uh, we have some news to cover before the holiday and we have feedback. We do quite a bit of it. I mean, a lot of content. There's only two messages, but still quite a bit of feedback. So the first one <laughs> is from Jim, and he's responding to us last week asking for suggestions on Mitazaki movies. And he said, if you have smaller children, I would not start with Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. My both two are, favorites. <laughs> both are good, <laughs> but have scary bits, war, blood, that sort of thing. Great movies, but maybe not for the wee ones. I suggest starting with My Neighbor Totoro. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce that. He's, uh, it has a catchy song, big fluffy characters, and a happy ending. After that, maybe Kiki's Delivery Service. Keep up the good work and have a great Christmas holiday. Jim, thank you for that recommendation. That was basically the recommendation that everybody sent to me. Yep. So uh, fortunately... Yep. I think Richard's got it in his Plex library. So that may I be... I totally do. <laughs> I totally do. Yeah. And uh, Totoro, that's such an obvious one. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That is a perfect initial recommendation. Also, Kiki's delivery service is is just so innocuous. It's it's delightful. It's just lighthearted. That's another good, really one. Uh, another good uh, entry point. So yeah, great recommendations. Thank you. All right. Well, we also heard from Jose, who we haven't heard from in a while. So he kind of made up for it. He <laughs> sent us two messages totaling over a page and a half of our show notes. So we are going to summarize parts of the message that Jose sent us. But as always, we love hearing from our listeners, and thank you, Jose, for writing it again. And maybe real quick, as a little bit of context to Jose, I, I think it's worth reminding people that Jose is a next-level gadget nerd. Like he, oh yeah, he had a podcast focusing on phones and, and mobile tech and stuff like that. So he knows yep. the stuff. Yes, he does. And so I, I, it's, it kills me to summarize this, but here we go. <laughs> so he starts out saying, I'm listening to episode 541, and I'm applauding Richard for poking fun at 
Josh for using a phone case and getting ready to write into the show when karma bit me in the rear end and I dropped my Pixel 4 XL on its edge on concrete, cracking the screen at the top and bottom left corners. Like, seriously, Josh, as he was listening, that's that is so messed up. That's that's what happens, folks. Like, just put a screen on it. It's fine. I mean, a case. Uh, but just put a case on it. It's fine. Oh, uh, well, we're going to we're going to talk about both of those. All right. So so he goes on to talk about how he doesn't understand why people are so obsessed about cases and why would we have these beautiful devices if everybody's just going to put a big old clunky case on them. If that were the case, then everyone would just design their device as a big old black metallic rectangle. And then he recognizes that, yeah, that's kind of what's happening, actually. But I will say, like, there are some really nice phones out there. And I've owned a lot of nice phones that I'm like, I don't want to put a case on this. It's beautiful. And right. in fact, this this iPhone SE that I have now for, for testing, like, it's a right. really nice phone. Yes, it's it is. Really nice, but it's super slippery. Like, I'm sure I would launch it across my driveway the first time I took it outside. So, yeah, there, there are some really pretty ones out there. They're not so pretty that it's worth breaking a $1,000 phone. That is a point worth noting, but he brings up another counterpoint, which is that many credit card services actually offer, as part of their offerings to their customers, automatic coverage on damage to phones that you offer. So he recommends that you check your credit card services and see if this is something that's offered to you. And if it is, typically all you have to do is pay for your wireless service or phone through that actual card, and then they will cover damage to it. I didn't even know this was a thing. No, this is an awesome tip. Yeah. So he's actually doing this for the 4XL that he dropped while listening to Entertainment 2.0. I'm so sorry. That just, that sucks so bad. Oh, man. He also goes on a little bit about how he thinks screen protectors are ridiculous because they're actually not as strong as the screens they are now designed to protect. And I would agree with him on that. But anyway, moving on, he says, on another note, like Richard, I found myself spending a lot more money than I usually would for Black Friday's weeks. <laughs> I can remember the la- I can't remember. Sorry. He says the last time I bought this much stuff, but my list includes and I'm sorry, we can't go through the list. Seriously, it was like a dozen things. It included multiple phones, multiple speakers in multiples, like right. multiples of multiple speakers. Right, multiple and, Nest Hub Max. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and, and several different headsets, but holy crap, Jose, this was a lot of stuff. Oh man. He gave us a really good tip. And that was that one of the things he bought was a Chromebook that he got on a, a great discount, not just because of all the sales, but because Best Buy, if you sign up for their 
like frequent buyer program or whatever it's called, gives you a 10% off coupon for your birthday month. And all you have to do is register for their program and you get a 10% off coupon, which is not a big deal. Maybe unless you're buying a laptop, then it's a big deal. Right. You can get a lot of money off. Eight laptops and a dozen phones and 16 speakers. (laughs) Well, I think it's on. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if he bought them all at once, but yeah. So really good tip there too. All right. He says in his first message, P.S. Joss mentioned at some point that there are only like three people out there who don't already have Disney+. Plus. You found one of those three right here. To clarify. I'm pretty sure I said there were only three people out there who didn't have Disney Plus and Xbox Game Pass. Ah, okay. Yeah, that that is a smaller overlap in the Venn diagram. Yeah, so like like if you have Game Pass, you probably already have Disney Plus is what I said. Yeah. If yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying. But that's not it because immediately he wrote in again. And said in episode 543 that with the news that the HD Home Run Prime 6 is officially dead, I wanted to bring up a question I always had. Why was it so hard for Silicon Dust to get that product out when Seton had it figured out years ago with the Infinity V6? Silicon Dust had that weird dual 3-tuner Prime product at one point that was a 6-tuner solution, but it still required two cards. It just always seems strange that they got stuck at three and couldn't even match the four tuners that Seton's first card supported. Just curious to hear your thoughts on that. I do have some thoughts on that. Yeah, that's I I am sure you do. Let's talk about this. I think it comes down to uh, the the hardware that they put in the first model. So like the Infinity V4, the, the first cable card tuner from Seton, they recognized, yes, cable card supports six, but the hardware that's available now, like the chips that are out there now for doing that much MPEG-2 decoding and stuff, there's there's not a lot out there that'll do that much uh, decoding and all that stuff that quickly, that well, and without getting too hot. And so that's why they they limited all that to four tuners. And I have a feeling that with the HD Home Run Prime, the three-tuner model, that the, the guts that they used in that card, the, the components just kept getting cheaper and cheaper, and maybe there weren't like ideal uh, components to replace them with to support a six-tuner version, or it would require a massive redesign of the box or something like that. And so they just stuck with what was available until it wasn't available anymore in, you know, at the end of, of 2018 when they started going out of stock everywhere. So that's my thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a couple thoughts on this. One, so you raise, you raise a really good point, which is that the hardware that they created may have had limitations, and I believe that it did. It probably couldn't support more than three, maybe four tuners if they tried, but it was designed to support three tuners. If they were going to produce anything that supported more, they needed to create more hardware. The major difference between Silicon Dust and Seton from a consumer standpoint is that Silicon Dust is still a player and Seton is not. Ooh, good point. So 
And there's another one too, which is that silicon dust has more than just cable tuners as their product offering. That was what Seton was focused on. And that's really all they sold. Mm -hmm. Their other offerings were geared toward the industry. And to the extent that any of Seton still exists, it exists in support of commercial and uh, hospitality businesses. Right. So you can't go out and just buy an off-the-shelf Seton tuner anymore. Meanwhile, you can buy a lot of silicon dust products, not just cable tuners, but a whole bunch of different TV tuners mm -hmm. for different local local areas, meaning uh, different countries right. that support different formats and also offer a DVR solution that again on the consumer side was never like never came to be on the Seton uh, product line. So I, I, I don't know that it's fair to compare the two. I mean, I get why you would, but I don't know that it's a fair comparison because I think what happened in reality was that the leaders at Silicon Dust saw the trends of the industry and recognized that there was opportunity for revenue in the over-the-air market that wasn't getting served well. And that's where their priorities were. Yeah. Yeah. And in a marketplace where it was clear that that's the direction everybody was going. You know, people, yeah. it, cord cutting was the thing and still is the thing. So it, it made sense for them to focus more of their energies on over-the-air products. Yeah. So, I mean, frankly, this doesn't surprise me. I think it's a really interesting question and it's a good discussion to have. And I know that there are people who think I am just like, you know, all, all bash on silicon dust and I'm not. I, you know, just because I don't like their user experience doesn't mean I don't like their products. They make great products. They've had a robust product line offering over the last like three to six years. And I, the fact that they outlasted Seton in the consumer space, I think, says a lot. Yeah, for sure. Because in, in some ways, Seton was, was beating them. I mean, they had more tuners. Right. And, and they were right. expanding into different products that, that did make them unique. They had their own media center extender. Like, they, they had a lot of cool stuff. Yep. All right. Great messages. Great feedback. Those are sent in to us at entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. We look forward to reading more of your feedback in a future episode. So let's get into the news for this week. And we're going to start with a couple of quick ones on the TiVo side. So TiVo Stream 4K getting a couple of new apps slash services. Uh, and importantly, with TiVo, these are services that are built into the TiVo experience. So uh, they, they will fall into that recommendation engine. And when you're going through the, the TiVo specific app, looking for a particular show or movie, uh, if those things are in either of these services, it'll show up as an option there. So really nice to see these in the unified experience. So what are those services? First one is Vudu. I think Vudu is, is one of our go-to services for movies especially movies that you own or movies that you want to purchase digitally. I think it's, for me, it's like the go-to service 
if you're not in the Apple ecosystem. Because if you're in if if you're on an Apple right. TV, you're, right. you're probably just going to use the Apple stuff, right? But yeah, uh, Voodoo's got their own rental and and purchase service plus they're one of the the many services in movies anywhere. So your whole library of of purchased digital movies, well, the vast majority of your library is available right there inside of Voodoo. But they also have their own. Another one of those free movies and TV offerings that's generally terrible. And I think, Richard, <laughs> I, I think you would describe them as probably the worst of these services when it comes to the free stuff, right? Like, haven't you hated all of your interactions with, with that service? Yeah, it's it's not wonderful. I mean, <laughs> this is this is the service that advertises itself because it can't get advertisers, <laughs> but insists on running advertisements during its free TV service. So you end up watching TV ads for Vudu while you're watching TV on Vudu. It's, it's kind of an awful experience, but, yeah. you know, what do you do? So if you hate that part of the Vudu experience, you don't have to include it inside of the the TiVo experience, because when you go to set this up, you you get a checkbox for the Voodoo free movies and TV and a separate checkbox for uh, the the rentals and purchases that you could get. So if you don't want the garbage, you don't have to include it. So I I actually want to talk about that for a minute, because I don't think that people recognize how big a deal this is. If in fact, this is implemented the way those options suggest. If Voodoo is including in your Google search those titles that you have purchased or rented from Voodoo, which includes anything that you've also purchased through Movies Anywhere that Voodoo makes available to you, that is a huge deal because nobody else yet is specifically exposing your content. So that's true. This is really friggin' cool if that's how it works. Yeah, I hadn't thought of, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective that they're the only ones who might be doing that. Now, uh, I I didn't see the story until a few minutes before we started the show tonight, so I've not gotten a chance to to try this out. But I, I did wonder how your purchases, like through Movies Anywhere, get serviced in here. So that that could be really really interesting and yeah and a, a pretty big deal. All right, well the other service that's coming is Peacock. This is the the streaming service from NBC and uh I mean it's so it's there. It's you know, it's a, yet another streaming service that's available on TiVo, but it's one that is actually like we said built into the TiVo experience, but Peacock isn't just coming to TiVo stream. It's kind of coming like practically everywhere. Well, yeah. I mean, Peacock, but <laughs> yeah, um, everywhere but Amazon. So if if you're looking for Peacock on Google TV, you wouldn't have found it. But now you will be able to find Peacock on the Google TV experience on Chromecast. And this is really good timing. It comes just in time 
for the office, which is one of Peacock's big, you know, promotional points that they're the exclusive carrier of the office now as that transitions over to being available through Peacock. This was one of the missing things through TiVo Stream. I'm glad to see that they added it. Uh, this is one of the missing things in Google TV. You know, Google TV was newer to market. So I'm, I was willing to give them a little bit of a pass on this, but I'm happy to see this there. Um, you know, we, meanwhile, Netflix, probably the oldest player. No, not, not probably. The company's 22 years old. They are definitely the oldest player in this space. And there's still not a deal that will make their exclusive content available on Google TV, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. So that's problematic. Right. right. So I, I feel like Google TV is getting a little bit tricky to talk about. Uh, and as as we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Netflix stuff, leaving the Google TV app, we confused some people. We made them think that the Netflix app was no longer available on Google TV devices and stuff like that. That's not the case. Uh, and that's it is. not an, it, it, it's available. Right. It It is available. So what we're, we're talking about here with Peacock, like the Peacock app, app has been available on Android TV devices since since it launched. It's been there yep. for months. But it wasn't indexed as part of their recommendation engine. It wasn't in right, which is what we're calling the Google TV app. Right. Or service. Either one. Yep. Yeah. And and you know the Google TV app as it goes, I think is among the best. If I didn't already kind of have the Apple TV as my home, I would probably consider Google TV my home. I think they've done that good of a job. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I need to get one. <laughs> yeah, maybe you do. Um, if I wouldn't have missed out on that Netflix deal, I would have had one. Yeah. Um, so this is probably a good time to talk about other experiences that are supposedly improving. <laughs> Right. So the Amazon Fire TV interface is changing. It's it's <laughs> Is it Josh? Well, it's supposedly changing. It's supposedly getting better. You always hope that a redesign makes things better. That isn't always the case. I don't I don't have a whole lot to say here because I I'm not a regular Fire TV user. So I can't look at the screenshots of how it looks now and tell you, "Oh yeah, that's super different." Um what I can tell you is that a new UI is not the only thing that's rolling out here. They, Although, every time I have to mention this with a service, I have to go, really? This, this wasn't there from the beginning? Um, Amazon Fire TV now adding support for profiles. You can have up to six profiles. You know, as I say that, and as I, as I rip on uh, Amazon and, and many other services for doing this, Android TV doesn't really do this. Not not right. at the OS level. Exactly. Most of the services did not offer this at, at launch. So the fact they're coming out with this, I think, is a good thing. Remember, again, your Amazon TV account is associated with your, um, your profile on Amazon. And that's you, one person. So them adding separate accounts here is really interesting. And frankly... I would love to see Amazon extend that beyond 
just this experience. I would like them to think about family or household users as part of a an Amazon experience overall. Because you you could extend this to music and to the store and to other areas where it makes a whole lot of sense without having to have separate Amazon accounts. Well, they've got some of that. It's just not everywhere. Yeah, but they're not linked together. Okay. As far as I can tell, you having an Amazon profile on this new Amazon Fire TV experience for different people people in your household is completely separate from having a an Amazon family music account. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would be nice if that all got mashed together. And and hopefully that's something they're working towards. But yeah, as they continue to roll out separate pieces of that, it's just going to make unifying all of them that much harder when they finally right. get to that point. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So you know yeah. the team the team that's working on that unification thing right now is like, "Oh, seriously? Will and- you just stop <laughs> stop putting out new stuff already? Right. Come on. Let us get this done and then you can add on to it." <laughs> right. Now, you talked about the new UI, and I know that you don't use this very much. I don't use it very much either, but I did go in to see what's different. And frankly, it's hardly noticeable, but I have to commend them on fixing the one thing that you and I complain about more than anything else on the Fire TV experience, which was that the different resolutions of programs that were available like you could watch something in hd or you could watch something in uhd they were separate listings before now the experience is unified so that you see the best available experience for the device you're watching on and that's it you don't have to search for something different that's nice is it possible to select the the lower resolution if you want to it's not, it does not seem to be possible to okay. do that. And frankly, I hope we're beyond having to care about that. I know we're not. Thank you, Comcast. But I mean, I like, I like that it's just automatically geared toward what your device can support. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I, I don't ask for having that option just because of the, the crappy services out there like Comcast who are still, put in ridiculous <laughs> caps uh, on their their data services but i i also think about it because we're still in a pandemic like we're still in a world where everyone in my house is home all day every day and at lunchtime when i'm on a zoom call and one kid is streaming youtube and the other kid is streaming netflix and jen's maybe on a zoom call like my bandwidth goes down pretty significantly so yep. If they weren't watching their ridiculous shows in 4K on Netflix, then I'd have a little bit more bandwidth for the important things like, I don't know, my job, which brings the income (laughs) into the house and pays for their Netflix subscription. I think you need to tweak your router a little bit to make sure that that's how things work. That's complicated. (laughs) It is. And it shouldn't be. Right. All right. One more thing before we get out of here on this one is that... If you are not seeing this updated experience, and again, you may not even notice it because it's very subtle, but 
if you're not seeing the updates, then it's because it's only initially rolling out to the latest gen Fire TV Stick and the Fire TV Stick Lite. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, uh, one more story in the video section. Disney had a heck of an event over the last week. We're not going to cover everything. It was a massive, massive uh, set of announcements from them. So It was, and it was mostly content for the most part, right. and we're not going to cover that. But I think one no. of the things we are going to cover is you pointing out that I was wrong. What, what were you wrong about? Well, let's talk about this first point that we're, we're seeing here. Oh. What's, what's, what's the first point about Disney Plus here? So the, the first point is that the cost is going up. Disney Plus, the monthly price, is going to go up by $1. And the yearly price is going to go up by $10. So that takes the, the yearly subscription up to $79.99. Yep. Did- Richard got that wrong. You asked me about this about three months ago. You asked me if I thought that Disney would raise the price of their service. And I think the reason we were talking about it was because of the release of Mulan. Hmm. And them trying to figure out how to get more value out of the service that they were offering as they were also trying to figure out their movie release model. And I said, no, 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 they're not going to do that. They're they're not going to do that for a couple of years. I was totally wrong. A buck. They upped it a buck. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to complain about a buck, especially when it's already, it's still, it still seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah. So it was what it was. Six ninety nine. It's now going to be seven ninety nine. Right, right. And then they're also introducing something that I know is going to make a lot of people happy: the bundle. So when when Disney Plus first launched, they inc- they included a bundle, which was Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all for twelve ninety nine a month. Now, which is a great price. Like you're basically getting ESPN Plus for free, but it only worked with the version of Hulu that includes ads. And now they're offering the option of doing the bundle with the ad-free version of Hulu. So that takes the price up to $18.99 a month, which doesn't it like it doesn't change the discount. You're still basically getting ESPN Plus for free. It it just cost uh, you know a few dollars more, and it's the same dollars more. That you would be paying if you were just getting Hulu ad free over the regular Hulu. I think it's six dollars more. Sound right? Five dollars. Sounds more? worse. It sounds worse. Why does that sound worse? I don't know. It just sounds worse. I could have sworn. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds worse, but because we're close to twenty dollars, we're close to that twenty dollar figure. And and it means that it's more expensive than Netflix. But it's three services together that. <laughs> When you combine those three services together, they cost right. more than Netflix. Good point. Oh, by the way, did we even talk about the fact that Netflix went up by a buck? Yeah, Netflix went up by a buck or two, depending on what service you had. Right. Netflix now costs forty seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even for the service that I have does it cost that much. Come on. What it's like $17.99 a month now, right? It's $17.99 a month. Yeah. Yeah. For the version that people like us actually want. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a lot. for the four for the 4K multi-stream version. Well, there's only one 4K. 
There, there aren't multiple tiers of the 4K. No, I know. But if you want 4K, then you're also paying for multi-stream. Right. It's not that. I think it's like fourteen dollars or something like that now. If if you are just still doing HD and double stream or something, right? I don't need but, multiple streams. All I want is 4K. One stream, 4K, six bucks. No. Right. Nope. <laughs> nope. Eighteen dollars a month. Ching. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it for our video news. Let's jump into some audio news. Uh, this is sad-ish news, but also not unexpected at all. Really? Not unexpected? I think this is enormously surprising. I mean, okay. Maybe we should announce what it is first. Yeah, do that. (laughs) So Google is officially retiring the the home max speaker. This was the their their big chunky speaker that was like four hundred bucks when it first launched, and then three hundred bucks. Right, and the reviewers loved it. The press loved it. Everybody said this was the best sounding speaker out there for a smart speaker. It's amazing, and they made it available cheaper and cheaper over time. And apparently. I'm guessing, I don't know about you, Josh, that price just turned people off because who's going to spend $300 on a smart speaker? I don't know. I think there's two things here. One, uh, I agree with you. I think that is one of the reasons that people were like, wait a second. So I can get this Google speaker for 50 bucks or I can get this one for 300 bucks. And I mean, most people are smart enough to go, okay, the, the one is the size of a hockey puck. And the one is the size of a football. <laughs> and the best way, the easiest way to make speakers sound good is just make them bigger. So that that's not that hard for most people to figure out. But but I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but it, even even the like regular smart speakers are like a hundred. So right. why am I spending so much more? And I can't really tell the difference. I think a lot of people would say that. Hmm. And it doesn't have the premium name. You know, people are, are right. willing to spend lots of money for Sonos because they right. know that Sonos is right. going to sound really good. Yep. But for a Google speaker, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. If it was Sony, like they would probably do it too, but maybe not for, for Google. The other thing, the other reason that, or, or the really the main reason why I'm not surprised by this is because of the fire sale that happened in November. When they started selling these things, for a hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, that was surprising, but I just figured it was their normal crazy because you know they do that with the Nest Hub too. But there's no sign that they're getting rid of that. I mean, it's just a really good product that they sell at a really good price at the holidays. This totally took me by surprise. Now, before everybody gets all Oh my God, Google cancels everything. I'm never going to buy Google hardware again. This is just like you're throwing your money away. Why bother? I actually had someone like respond to me today. And um, yeah, if you're listening, I, I don't mean to piss you off, but who told me, yeah, they're going to give up on the thermostat soon. No, they're not. No. They're They're not going to stop making the Nest thermostat as long as the industry is interested in it. But they do very carefully look at the products they offer and see how they're selling. That doesn't mean they abandon them. They came out with what I think is a perfectly reasonable and satisfying support statement. Right. So they said 
existing Google Home Max users shouldn't worry as they won't see any change in their service. We will continue to offer software updates and security fixes to Google Home Max devices. We're committed to delivering great sound and whole home audio features across all our assistant-enabled products. So that's kind of an unusual thing for Google to do. I mean, you, you're kind of joking there about how Google kills everything, but in this case... Kind of not. They're kind of not, right? <laughs> it's not like it's just completely gone and you might as well throw it in the scrap heap like that Cortana-enabled speaker, the, the Harman Kardon Invoke. Like That is actually basically useless now. Not the yeah. case with this one. So the, the other thing that I wonder is, are they retiring this one to replace it with something else? It'll be Nest branded, but also a larger, you know, better, better sounding speaker than, than the newest $100 Nest speaker. Yeah, my bet is not. I think that they recognize that with the Nest audio, which is the 100 speaker, $100 speaker you reference, that they noticed that they could provide as good an experience with two of those that they could the max and they thought okay well it doesn't make sense to continue to offer this and frankly like kudos to them if that was the case because they could have continued to milk that because it continues to get good reviews and people like it i don't know if it was selling well or not but i mean the fact they have something newer and cheaper now that's good right that's a good thing for everybody you know i've got google speakers all over my house and i never bought one of these and one of the main reasons I never did was because for some reason, and it, uh, for some reason, it seems like a lot of my Google speakers, when I play music out of them, it sounds like the speaker is almost blown. Like there's some distortion there. And I don't know where that's coming from or why, but mm. it's pretty common on, on multiple Google speakers I have, even ones that aren't made by Google. and. I was like, well, I'm not going to drop 300 bucks on one if it's going to end up doing the same thing, because I don't know if it's a software issue, because I don't think that I'm actually blowing the speakers on my Google yeah. speakers, because I'm not blasting these things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm convinced that you totally are. You're, you're, <laughs> you're playing those, those folk jams really, really loud in your <laughs> <Right>. home. <laughs> yeah. You have to listen to, to folk music on full blast. It's required. <laughs> Not so much, but you know, uh, maybe I, I might have to keep my eye on, on eBay. Like if these start going at super cheap prices on eBay, if I can get one for under a hundred bucks now on eBay, then I might pick one up. Right. Right. If you're planning on getting one from Google, it's too late. They've sold out. Yes. Yeah. They're all gone. Just like our audio news. It's gone on the gaming news. So these will all be pretty quick too. So Ubisoft Plus is a service we talked about a couple of months ago when it was first announced and launched. Ubisoft Plus is Ubisoft's game streaming service because everybody's got to have one now. And Ubisoft at least makes sense since they're one of the biggest game publishers in the universe. Their service costs 15 bucks a month and um, it allows you like the, the thing that's cool is it's not just that it, it's Ubisoft games, it's new Ubisoft games 
including like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That game just came out like a month ago. It's on there. And unlike most of the other services, it's not just the base game. If you pay for Ubisoft Plus, you also get all of the extra DLC and expansion packs and all that stuff that they include with those games eventually. So while it's a little bit on the, on the pricier side, you're getting a lot of content from one of the biggest publishers in, in the world. So the news this week is that they've now partnered with, with Google Stadia. And so if you have Google Stadia, you can now link that Google account to your Stadia account and play all of your Ubisoft Plus games through Stadia. On the surface, that's like, all right, cool. Like, uh, I can use my Stadia controller on my PC and, and play now. Well, okay, but you could already play Ubisoft Plus games on a PC with the Ubisoft Plus app. But having it on Stadia means that you can now play on a phone, you can play via a Chromecast Ultra. Like it opens up a whole lot of other possibilities there because Stadia is in more places than Ubisoft Pluses. And you don't have to pay extra. Google Stadia can be played for free. You just don't get as many features. Like you can't play at 4K, you don't get HDR, you don't get surround sound. But you get access to these games and you get access to them on way more devices than what Ubisoft Plus would normally give you access to. It's also worth mentioning Ubisoft Plus is also on Amazon Luna, their game streaming service, but that's still very much in in early beta right now. Next up, some new features coming to the Xbox Family Settings app. So this is a mobile app for, for your Android or your iOS phone, and they're just adding more and more features for parents. The timing here is excellent. You know, lots of people are getting Xboxes for their kids for the holidays and want to be able to to put some limits in place, you know, control screen time, things like that. Well, so there's basically three big new features that are coming to this mobile app. You can pause screen time. So you could already put in place screen time limits so they can only play for a half an hour on the weekdays and they get two hours a day on the weekends, maybe. But now, like if it's dinner time and you call for them and they don't come to the table, you can just pull out your phone, click the big pause button and say, well, sorry, Charlie, your Fortnite game is now over. Your screen time is paused. <laughs> they get a, a message that will appear on their Xbox that says your screen time is up and then they have to come to the dinner table, probably mad at you. Uh, and, and you can do that even if they're not actually out of screen time. And then when dinner is over, if you want to let them go back to playing, Maybe you don't because they didn't listen the first time. But if you do, you can unpause and let them go back to it. Or if you forget to unpause it, it'll just reset to uh, to the next uh, settings the next day. Uh, Keith is asking if this works on older Xboxes. If Keith, if you mean Xbox One, yes. If you mean Xbox 360, I doubt it. The Xbox 360 is so old at this point. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's ask, asking Xbox One. Yeah, this, I'm not 100% positive, but considering the Xbox One and the Series X and Series S all run the same software, I'm thinking, yeah, this is going to work. Next feature they've added is a feature called Ask to Buy. So 
this is something that's been on on the Xbox before. And in this case, it's just a setting that, that you can uh, set up. Before, you had to go into the Xbox and use a controller and find the right setting and all of that stuff. Now, within the mobile app, you, you can go to the ask, ask to buy option and turn that on or off. And the option, in case it's not super obvious, uh, it, when, you, when you turn that on, when, when your kids want to buy a game, well, they can't just buy it. They have to first ask permission. And it's not just like, hey, mom, I, I want to buy blah, blah, blah. Because you might not have any idea what, what that game actually entails, right? You know, uh, so it also includes a bunch of information about the game. So you're going to be able to see the rating. You're going to be able to see, you know, what types of things factored into that rating and stuff. You know, is it rated teen, but it's just for like comic violence and stuff like that? Maybe that's okay. Uh, is it rated M? Maybe that's an absolute no, or or maybe it is because it's just for violence and you're okay with violence, but you wouldn't be if it was sexual content or something like that. Like all of that sort of stuff is passed along to you to help you make those decisions a little bit easier. And and when they do ask to buy, those notifications will also pop up uh, in in your family, Xbox family settings app for you to approve right there in the app. And then the last new one is that you can view and then also approve or deny friend request. So, you know, X, there's, there's a lot of parents out there very concerned about their kids being involved in social media and things like that. Uh, maybe, maybe they don't want them on Twitter. Maybe they don't want them on Snapchat and stuff. And maybe they don't want them involved in like anything where they can be messaging with, with other people, especially if they're younger kids. And Xbox is a place where you can message people. You can, and, and it's not just text messages anymore. You can send images, you can send links. So it, it's, it's easier now for people to do bad things in Xbox messaging. So maybe it makes sense to, to put limits on whether or not your kids actually can uh, accept friend requests and stuff like that. So that's now also there inside of this family settings app. And all of this is available right now. So I have a question about that approve or deny. Is that limits or is that like an override? In other words, what if you said approve? Can you approve a friend request? What if your kid doesn't want that other person to be their friend in Xbox? <laughs> Timmy, just be friends with him. He's a sweet boy. Uh, no. Right. Um, what if Timmy knows that he's a jerk? <laughs> Um, I, I don't think there's any limitations on them removing friends from their friends list. I, hmm. I think there's okay. only limits on adding friends to their friends list. Okay. All right. Uh, Keith asked, does ask to buy work with game pass also? Like, could your kid just buy a subscription to Xbox game pass? I don't know. That, that that's a really good question though, because game pass is full of games that, some parents would not want their kids playing. You know, there's lots of rated M games and stuff in there. But you can also put just overall content filters on the stuff that they have access to anyway. So I, I don't know for sure if they, or maybe Keith is asking if, if they already have Game Pass, uh, will it require them to ask permission to install certain games? I think from that case, you probably just want to have the, the filter is turned on. So 
not sure on that one. Uh, can maybe look into this. My kids don't really like, they play a little bit of games. They play a lot of Roblox and among us, like everybody in the universe right now, but they don't really play much on the Xbox. So I haven't really had much of a need for this functionality in my house yet. Did I hear that they're making an Among Us series? Did I hear that right? What? Someone's making, I think someone's making an Among Us TV series. That sounds stupid. (laughs) I don't know anything about the game, so I have no context, but Oh, dude, it's fun. You should play it. (laughs) And it's free. And it's on phones. Like, very, very low barrier to entry here. All right, last gaming story here and that is this is a story where xbox like really kind of buried the lead here because the headline for this article is players drive record engagement as xbox expands cloud gaming to more devices in 2021 okay the only thing that really matters in this entire article because no one actually cares about the numbers of engagement on xbox live the only thing that actually matters is that xbox game pass uh with game streaming is coming to more devices. So in the spring of 2021, you will be able to do the game streaming portion of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on PCs through the Xbox app and through a web browser, and maybe more importantly, on iOS through a browser. So big news, like we've been expecting this, we just didn't know when, now we know when. It's sometime by June 21st. (laughs) Right? People like to think that spring means, oh, probably like March, April. Mm, It doesn't usually work out that way. And then also they're launching the service in more regions. It's now coming to Australia, Brazil, Japan, and Mexico. All right, that's it for the news. Richard, what's going on in your entertainment center? All right. So first off, I have my new TV, which I love in my office. I've been like, it's on right now and it's on pretty much during the day as a screensaver just because it's beautiful. And I've been thinking, all right, one of these days I have to figure out how to get past this remote that came with the TV. I mean, it's not terrible, but I really prefer my Harmony remote. And I haven't figured out how to do that yet because my Harmony remote controls the entertainment center on one side of my office and my TV is on the complete other side of the office. So I either have to come up with some really clever way of extending the blasters that come with the Harmony remote, or I have to do some, I don't know, maybe, maybe I can just use basic IR on it or something, but I'm, I have some work to do there. And I, I dug into that this past week and I'm like, yep, yep, more than I can deal with right now. So I'm hoping to get that fixed in the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, been watching a lot of TV, the normal stuff. Amazing Race, Star Trek Discovery, been great. The Mandalorian, love it. Catching up on Fargo, still not up to speed. Really liking it. Now on the season four episodes of Shit's Creek. Watching Shameless, which I mentioned just started last week. Kim's Convenience, we are nearing the end of season one. And we are... About in the middle now of the River Song story arc in Doctor Who and loving, loving that. This story makes so much more sense. I I know I said that last time, but seriously, if you have watched Doctor Who and you're confused about River Song, when I am done, I will link out to the 
post that lists all of the episodes to watch in what order, and it will make the River Song story make so much more sense. Also, speaking of things that are likely awesome and confusing, Tenet just arrived in UHD format, physical media at my doorstep. I will be putting that on my server soon and hopefully watching it this weekend. Um, Me too. That I I, I want to watch it this weekend too. Yeah, I don't. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to convince Jen to watch it with me. Like it, it's it's going to be stressful, right? She's not looking for stressful content right now, right? But, and, you know, and I don't know a ton about this movie except that, and and I'm not quite sure why. I know it's been compared to. Um, now I can't even think of the name of it. Starts with an I. Uh, in Inception. Uh, Inception. Yeah, and like that alone makes me want to watch it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like I loved Inception. I've watched that movie so many times, and I still don't know what the real story is. So yeah, I am really looking forward to this. Also, watched a ton of news. Watched the electoral votes come in and whoever thought that that would be a thing <laughs> right <laughs> and uh i am still way behind on podcasts but i am only two and a half weeks behind on them now so i am catching up all right i'm actually a little bit behind on my podcast too i use pocket cast and like all week long i was like man i am killing it on podcast i am like caught up or close to caught up like every single day i'm doing awesome and then like friday i realized i had the wrong filter on so (laughs) probably shouldn't have said that as you were taking a drink uh yeah so i was actually way behind on podcast because i was not listening to them uh because i didn't see them so i'm almost caught up though but there were there were a fair number of extra episodes that I skipped that I might not have skipped in the past that that I did end up skipping this week, and it's it's fine, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so you can do that. I can't do that. Yeah, it's it's not hard for me. So uh, uh, the other things for me, of course, some Call of Duty. I I love this game. It's so good. Like uh, the the other thing that I want to mention, I, I'm friends with, and he's a listener of the show. That's that's how we're friends uh, with with someone who works at Treyarch and I I just kind of want to give him and the rest of the team at Treyarch, like a little bit of a shout out here. Like I know that call, it's not like call of duty is some unknown thing and needs some, some uh, extra marketing or anything like that behind it. But these games, there, there are three studios that work on call of duty games and they each get three years to work on their game. It's, it's a rotating cycle. And Activision, the publisher, decided, uh, no, we're going to have Treyarch do the next one. Um, so they only get two years. So they only had two years to work on this game and a pandemic hit during the middle of this. And right. if I remember correctly, the last game that, that, that Treyarch released, they didn't even have uh, a single player campaign. They just had the multiplayer and the zombies mode. And this time around, Despite having a year less than usual, plus dealing with the pandemic, they got a fantastic multiplayer experience done, a great zombies experience done, and the coolest Call of Duty campaign 
in my opinion, that's ever been in a Call of Duty game. So I, I think they've done phenomenal work. I'm, I'm just absolutely loving this game. Cool. Played some NHL, of course. Uh, kind of a, a quick hit on, on this one. Uh, I'm frequently frustrated with playing NHL online with random people because it, it just typically, you end up with idiots who don't actually want to play hockey. They just want to do stupid crap and ruin the game for everybody. I kind of got sick of that and this weekend decided, oh yeah, Xbox has this looking for game functionality built in. I should try that. I've only tried it a couple of times in the past and looked for an LFG session um, of people looking for defensemen. I like to play defense and found one. The people were actually cool, actually had a good game, like actually had a lot of fun playing NHL this weekend. So if if you're in a little bit of a rut with a multiplayer game, maybe go and check out the the looking for game functionality built into the Xbox, and maybe you'll end up playing with some people that you actually like. And and that that's not just an NHL thing; it's it's available for basically all games. That's cool. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, uh, watched a couple more episodes of All American on Netflix. That's that football player show. Uh, just watching that with my daughter. Uh, it's also been a lot of Gilmore Girls happening in my house on Netflix. Nice! I had never seen that show. Uh, oh, it's great. I've been in the room for a few episodes. It's really not a bad show. No, it is great. The writing is brilliant. You know, what? I walked in the room one, one day this weekend as an episode was playing and, and, and saw a scene, and I was like, I looked over at Jed, and I'm like, you know what this reminds me of? Like some Sorkin. Of, some of the writing style and stuff? The West Wing. Right. Sorkin. Yes. Yeah. Amy Sherman Palladino writes like Aaron Sorkin. Okay. It that is why I love her shows. Okay. That that's why I'm not hating the show. Yeah. Yep. It's not bad. It's really not bad. No, it's great. I feel weird saying that as a 39-year-old dude. But Gilmore Girls, not bad television. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Never ever thought I'd be saying that. Uh, and then <laughs> The last thing is I finally got around to trying out Spotify group sessions this week. Uh, I've got a friend that he and I were both software developers. <laughs> I used to be a software developer. Now I'm just a manager. I don't write code anymore. Um, and we both really love electronic music. And, and his, he's got a way better understanding and, and vast knowledge of the genres than, than I do. So I'm constantly going to him for recommendations anyway. And I said, hey, have you ever tried this out? And he's like, no, what's that? And so we tried it out. It works beautifully. It works really, really well. And it's like instantaneous. So the way it works, in case you don't remember, uh, you you start up a group session on on your app. And this is not, it's not like, it's not built into the desktop app right now. I think it's only on the mobile apps. But with Spotify Connect, it kind of doesn't really matter because you can control devices elsewhere. Uh, So like you start it up on your phone, you send a code to your friends to join you and just start playing music. And anyone can change what you're listening to, which in the right scenario is a good thing, right? (laughs) Right, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, And then anyone can, can skip to the next song at any point. And it's like instantaneous. So you're all listening at the same time. It works really well, really well. So 
I think that this is a really good thing for the pandemic. Like if you've got a remote team right now and you're like, hey, let's all, like we all like similar music. Why, why don't we just pick like, you're the team DJ for today and we're all just going to tune into this thing. And then tomorrow it's the next person. Like it's a cool feature and it works really well as I throw my phone on the floor. Uh, so that's why I have a case. Good thing there. you have a case on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you're all Spotify users, check this out. I don't, I don't know if this, re- I don't remember if this requires Spotify premium, but it's cool. Check it out. If, if you've ever wanted to, to really share uh, a playlist with people at the same time, because it works super well. Cool. Well. All right. So, oh, and still working on Tower of Dawn, that audiobook. Uh, other than that, that's it for me this week. And really kind of hoping to watch Tenant this weekend. That's a really Tenet. Odd. I'm really glad that you Tenet. No that. second N. Tenet. Isn't that what I said? I just want to make sure everybody pronounces this word friggin' properly. Right. The word is tenant, not tenant. Right. Yes. Yes. It's not, it's not someone who rents your apartment. <laughs> right. It is a fundamental belief that drives what you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center. It's it for the news. It's it for probably this year really yeah um there's a chance we'll be back once uh, over the next couple of weeks but if we're being realistic here folks the news is going to dry up in a hurry like if you're watching the the feeds and stuff out there maybe you've noticed that a lot of the news stories are here's our favorite game of the year here's the most interesting hack of the you know like it's just end of the year type post because there's no news to talk about what it really is is here's our affiliate link to the thing we want you to buy (laughs) well there's there's some of that it's not all that and it's not to say that we won't do that too but there's not a whole lot of news so in all likelihood we probably won't be back until the start of the year i expect we will probably have an episode the first week of the year before CES, mm-hmm. because there will be a lot of news before CES. Yeah. And then I think so more this year than in previous years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we don't know what CES is going to bring, but we will do something specifically CES related the second week of January. I am expecting to not be at home when we do that. So, I don't quite know what that experience is going to be like when we record. We may not be able to do it live. I don't know. But we often don't do our CES thing live. Right, right. So that's probably it. You know, keep keep an eye on on Twitter to know if we are going to be doing a live show so that you can join us. Um, if there's major news, we'll have another episode in the next couple of weeks. If not, be back at the beginning of the new year. So enjoy the holidays hopefully you're going to get some time off uh to just relax uh, for you know take a deep breath for maybe the first time in nine months so uh if you want to get a hold of us we're on twitter at richard gunther at josh pollard at digimedia zone for the website and uh over on instagram same thing all of our contact information is over 
along with our show notes at www.thedigitalmediazone.com. In those show notes, you'll find links to every single piece of news that we talked about tonight and affiliate links for the 17 things that Jose Ortiz bought. No, I'm just kidding on that last part. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was 17 things, at least. (laughs) (laughs) At least. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration, folks. We love you, Jose. Uh, Yeah, so come back. When we do the show live, it's usually Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on Twitter to know for sure. Maybe follow us on Twitch because that, that we're using Twitch to do this. And then you'll get notified the moment we go live uh, because that's going to do it for episode 544. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye and happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>